Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to this Saturday's Big Red Bench. Aidan Lee here with you. It was looking so well for Ireland, but France have gone over for a try. It's 27-21 in Paris. Uh, later on, coming up, we'll keep an eye on that. Reaction to Cork versus Meath in the Ladies Football National League. We'll have John McCarthy later. Shawnee McGrath and Brian Carroll will be on to talk Cork versus Offaly tomorrow. We also have some Cork City news, as well as a look at the FAI strategy plans that were announced during the week. Dylan O'Connell will be on with us. That's it and more until 7. here with you until 7 on Cork's Red FM um, yeah what a, what a game in Paris this is turning out to be an absolute shootout uh, France 27 Ireland 21 Josh van der Fleer and Jemson Gibson Park got Ireland right back into it with two tries in the second half but there was two tries in the opening eight minutes in the first half um, Antoine Dupont helped France take a 10 to lead Mac Hansen uh, crossed over uh, for Ireland uh, that was their first score Joey Carberry added a superb conversion as well uh, France tacked on the penalty it was 19-7 at half time uh, it wasn't looking too great but then it was all of a sudden Ireland were back in it but France have gone over again it's a great match uh, three tries for Ireland to France's two so uh, we'll keep an eye on that 56 minutes gone earlier Wales bounced back from uh, last week's loss to Ireland with a win over Scotland Scotland of course were going for two out of two it's kind of typical Scotland, isn't it? Really get a massive win over England, and then of course uh, nothing to co- to to come with, to take away from from uh, the Principality Stadium in Cardiff. Uh, Twenty points to seventeen there, uh, the victory for Wales. Uh, looking to the Premier League, Everton took a first Premier League win under Frank Lampard's management. Seamus Coleman scored the opener at Goodison Park. Uh, they won three 0 there. Elsewhere, it was goalless between Brentford and Crystal Palace while Brighton beat Watford 2-0. And uh, we actually have some... Uh, we actually have a report here from Goodison Park. Shane Pennington was there. Everton 3, Leeds 0. There's a big game for Frank Lampard and his side look to give themselves a bit of breathing space towards the bottom end of the Premier League table. They needed a big performance, and boy did they deliver. They went ahead after just 10 minutes. Van der Beek's cross. Barney Lorente blocked an effort from Calvert-Lewin, and it fell nicely for Coleman to head home. It was 2-0 13 minutes later when Anthony Gordon's corner was headed home by Michael Keane, and the result was put beyond any doubt when Richarlison fired home from 20 yards late on in the game. Leeds didn't offer too much. They didn't have two long-range efforts from Rodrigo that both hit the woodwork. But you can't argue about the result here this afternoon. Everton 3, Leeds 0. Yeah, good to see Shams Coleman there getting a goal um, ahead of upcoming games for Ireland, I suppose. Uh, Meanwhile, at the moment, Manchester City, the league leaders take on Norwich and it's 1-0 to Manchester City already. 33 minutes gone there at Carrow Road. In the lunchtime kickoff again, a frustrating day if you're a Manchester United fan. Uh, one all draw at home at Old Trafford to Southampton. Uh, Jaden Sancho opened the scoring in the first half, and Shea Adams equalised early in the second. And it's uh, constantly one step forward, two steps back for Man United at the moment. That was a real chance to get into the top four. Uh, squandered again, just really poor defending all game. The shots they were allowing all games were so poor. It's very frustrating to watch it, and I think you can tell who I support by my uh, frustrations here talking about it. Uh, looking to the championship, Aaron Connolly was on the score sheet for Middlesbrough today. The Republic of Ireland international netted in their 4-1 win over Wayne Rooney's derby in the championship. Uh, speaking of Wayne Rooney, uh, actually be interesting to watch that uh, documentary on Amazon Prime. Meant to watch it yesterday, didn't get around to it, but... Uh, there's been a lot of stories, a lot of news stories. That the whole documentary has nearly been aired out in, in the papers over the last uh, couple of weeks, but uh, certainly be interesting to give that one uh, a watch. Now, turning our attention to Gaelic games, and uh, Kilmacud Croaks are in action against uh, St. Finbar's Conquerors Kilku in the All-Ireland uh, Club Football Final. Uh, Kilku, of course, um, extra time it took them to defeat uh, St. Finbar's um, and I'm just trying to find the score here. Apologies. And it is Kilmacud Croaks 
in the lead by just one point. Kilku have come back. They were they were five points down, I think, at one stage. So um, they're making a game of it there in the football and turning our attention to the hurling. Ballygunner are the new AIB All-Ireland Club hurling champions. The Waterford Club scored a last gasp goal through Harry Ruddle to beat Kilkenny's Ballyhale Shamrocks 217-119. to Ballyhale going for three in a row, wasn't it? As a fantastic finish to the game, winning manager Darrow Sullivan spoke to Dahi Boland after the match. Darrow Sullivan, Ballygunner manager. What an ending to the game. Tell me, what are the emotions after the final whistle? It's just unbelievable, you know. It's, it's, I'm waiting for someone to pinch me to wake me up, to be honest with you, because it's, it's dreamland stuff. You know, I mean, you're coming down the stretch and you looked up to about 15 seconds to go. You know... I don't know how we've done it to be honest with you but look I think if if, if we look back on it maybe we had enough chances earlier to maybe be you know maybe be closer to what we were at that stage you know but look I'm so proud of the lads and so proud of Harry Rudd young lad came in the composure to do what he done like it's phenomenal When he got the ball were you thinking oh, is this the right man to, to take that shot? He's seriously skilled like he's a real you know and he's quick you know I mean we were saying lads carry the ball carry the ball carry the ball that's what we're saying to him at that point in time because they had nearly backed up the bus so we got to get him you know to kind of engage him really because they were waiting at him we weren't going to get anywhere but yeah he's a hugely skillful guy and he's able to pay he has a bit of pace and he's a strong strike like you know what I mean so he's probably the perfect man really to be coming into that you know situation he showed a lot of fight throughout this game because Ballyhale again obviously leading right at the end but there was a few times as well they were six points ahead but he kept showing fight throughout this game throughout this year the character that this team has shown maybe you can just talk us through the whole season as to what has been going on in the background in terms of this team you know where they are mentally how strong they are uh, look you know at the beginning of the year we were, we were worried to be honest we started out this year that that, that, that we didn't weren't tested times in Watford the last few years and the worry was when we come down the stretch you know what I mean that you know we might be found a little bit wanting and, and we worked really really hard hard on it we got really good guys in to work with us and they stuck to the process that's what happened they absolutely stuck to the process in the end of that game and it's amazing composure to do that in, in you know an environment like that you know in a cauldron like that towards the end of the game and everything seems to be gone you know what I mean but look you know I don't know how we got out you know what I mean there's obviously people up there you know me looking down on us and maybe they pulled a few strings up there to get us where we got to but look it's phenomenal it's special it's, it's, it's everything you want to do as, as, as a manager with your club you know it doesn't get any bigger than this for me you know what I mean this is my club is everything to me you know what I mean and and, and you know to do what we done today with the club is, is, is absolutely phenomenal and a big thing with club is family connections and throughout this team there's so many family connections for you to win this with part of your family there nephews cousins brothers like how special does that make it listen there's 45 people involved today and that's one big family of 45 people and you take the support and you see the emotion of the support after the match and you see how big our family is you know what I mean families are not names family is Ballygunner community we're a savage savage you know lucky bunch of people that we you know we'd have each other's backs and you know a lot of people had to deal with adversity to their lives and some of those players would have had to as well and the way we circle the wagons and things like that it's, 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 it's phenomenal and it's you know it's, it's, it's the community it's the club it's Ballygunner's a very very special place and you know we're top of the tree in Ireland now which is absolutely phenomenal Fantastic interview there with uh, manager Darrow Sullivan Ballygunner manager after their massive All-Ireland win and they finally got there I suppose after so many Waterford championships and a good few Munster championships as well um, yeah, fantastic way to win it, like the best way you can imagine, last minute goal, superb stuff. And the football, 50 minutes gone, Kilku 1-5, Kilmcourt Croaks 9 points, 1 point in it there. 61 minutes, almost 62 minutes gone in Paris. The clock is stopped because they're going to the TMO, it's still France 27, Ireland 21. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, I think they're oh, Tygburn looks like he might be in trouble there as he blocked off I think Bundyaki as well is after blocking off DuPont there um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that uh, we'll turn our attention we'll keep our attention on hurling uh, All-Ireland champions Limerick welcome Henry Shefflin's Galway to the Gaelic grounds in Division 1 of the Allianz Hurling League shortly throw in there is at 7pm Dublin beat Antrim 219 to 215 at Corrigan Park earlier um, Antrim are certainly putting in a fantastic shift so far in Division 1 um, they were level of 1-6 piece I think last week at half time against Kilkenny and uh, just coming up 4 points short against Dublin um, hopefully Offaly are one to, uh, Offaly also newcomers into into Division 1 and they'll be hoping they can emulate that uh, form of Antrim however didn't exactly get off to a great start last week against Galway but um, they do play Cork tomorrow uh, Cork travel to Burr in the National League 
And uh, looking ahead to that game, I spoke to host of A Hurler's Life and former Offaly Hurler, Brian Carroll. Brian, thanks for joining us on the show. No matter. Uh, Cork versus Offaly on Sunday, obviously uh, a massive sign of the recovery and progress of Offaly Hurling. Uh, that day in Tralee isn't that long ago when, when Kerry sent Offaly to, down to the Christie Ring. So to be back in the top flight in the league is a big step. It certainly is. Um, thanks for reminding me about that, by the way. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, look, it, it, it's a big step. Um they deserve to be there in terms of uh, hurling Division Two A. They were very comp- comprehensive and winning all their games last year, so certainly deserve to go up to Division One. But at the same time, uh, we know that the task ahead of us, and after seeing the first round against Galway, that it's it's a very um, arduous task. You know, it's very very difficult. There's a huge gap between Division Two A and Division One hurling, so it's a uh, it's it's it, it is a tough league for Offaly this year. There's no doubt about it. Similarly to the way it was for Westmead last year. And, Westmead shipped a lot of heavy beatings, particularly early on. Um, maybe some of the teams then um, maybe tried a few players and were playing Westmead, and I think something similar will happen will happen with Offaly as this league progresses. So, um, you know, it's it, it's it's very tough going for these teams that are trying to make the step up to Division 1 hurling. Yeah, exactly. It was a tough start against Galway, 422 to 17 points. A county like Offaly certainly is in short and hurling pe- pedigree. Is it purely down to conditioning? Is that the difference between the top the top teams and the next tier down? Uh, conditions certainly one factor at play definitely and um, strength and depth will be another huge huge um, aspect of it and the importance of the panel is probably stronger now um, than ever over the last couple of years and, and we've seen that and um, you know awfully we're, we pick from a very very small you know hurling area and that's not trying to pay the poor man's um, but that that's that's a fact you know we've 12 senior clubs and I know or sorry 10 senior clubs and um, you know it's it's it's, it's kind of centred around Burr really the traditional stronghold of Offaly Hurling is around Burr you know 12 mile radius around Burr so we're talking very one very small area really in terms of landmass and uh, a lot of clubs coming from that area and you know obviously we took our eye off the ball in terms of underage structures that's been well documented at this stage and you know we've paid the price for that over the last number of years and we've our, our performances uh, warranted us getting relegated um, to Division 2 in Ireland, warranted us getting uh, relegated to Joe McDonough and then obviously hence into the Christie Rings. So as of last year, I suppose the only way was open. That's what happened last year. But look, I've already touched on this, the, the gap between the top teams and, and those that are trying to step up. Um, it's it's huge. And we see a lot of yo-yoing happen. I suppose we've seen it. Uh, Antrim went up last year and, and came straight back down. You know, uh, Carlo were up there; they've come straight back down. Westmead uh, were up in Division One, came straight back down. You know, I'd say awfully odds on favourites to come straight back down also. So it's very hard to make that um, transition to staying going up to the Division One hurling and staying up there. I suppose Leash are the only ones that have been able to maintain that over the last number of seasons and fair play to them. I suppose just before we get into the game itself, what are your own memories of, of Cork versus Offaly, whether it was as a player or a spectator? The, the last time I went as a spectator was probably one of the greatest days Offaly ever had, a victory they ever had over Cork. Um, and that was in 2000 and the semi semi-final. Um, so that was a, a super day. I remember that day finally, all right. But look, from a player's perspective, I know... Um, when I first started out, we made things very difficult for Cork. You know, we drew with them when they were Ireland champions in 2006 in Burr, actually. And uh, Mickey O'Connell actually had to hit a free from about 90 yards to draw the game that day. So uh, I know we always made it difficult for, for Cork and the time to come up. But when the table was turned and we went down to Parky Queen, probably with maybe a couple of exceptions when we, we could have taken them in the league one day, we ran them close in championship. But uh, invariably, their running game really caused us trouble, and, and we, we struggled playing Cork down in Parky Cueve. Um, and obviously, we were on different trajectories. That Cork team were, uh, were were fantastic, and obviously, we're starting to, uh, to go down. So, yeah, it was certainly certainly difficult. There's one thing about Cork hurling, obviously, and we, we all know this: when they're, when they're on the top of their game, the ball is fizzing around, and you're chasing shadows, and they will punish you. So it was uh, some some tough days, certainly, but. Uh, at the same time, there was a couple of occasions where we certainly were able to trouble them. I suppose one big advantage in the dressing room on Sunday is that Michael Fenley will be in there and he's not a man with, with many psychological hang-ups on, on facing Cork. Um, I suppose, what exactly can Offaly aim for Sunday? Like, obviously, they're they're considered massive underdogs. Yeah, look, um, well, from an Offaly perspective, I think 
if we can be competitive. And that's not, again, throwing in the towel beforehand. You know, that is that is being realistic. If, if, if the match is, is in Burr, obviously, um, that's a, a big plus to people, as I said, in this in this area around where I live um, and a lot of the, um, the clubs around. So we're expecting a, a decent crowd inside in Burr. Um, people will get behind that. And, you know, the pitch is certainly, um, it's a fine hurling pitch. There's obviously a lot of hurling takes place there, but it would it would be probably a small bit tighter and a little bit heavier than the pitch in O'Connor Park. And I suppose after you're trying to look for an advantage there in terms of the crowd, um, in terms of the pitch not being as big and as wide, maybe as, um, you know, obviously the likes of Parky Cueve that, that Cork played on was like a carpet last weekend. And like, I suppose they're trying to look for every advantage. We see Cork obviously doing that with the football when they're playing Kerry and the Munster Championship to bring it to Parkley Green. So you can't really blame Offaly for, for looking for that that maybe small advantage. Will it have a huge bearing on the outcome? Probably not. You know, obviously we're hoping that it will make it tighter and the crowd should get behind Offaly and no more than when Offaly played Dublin in the in the Wilds Cup only a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, that they were very competitive for long parts of that game and, you know, the Offaly team... This year and, and the start of this and the start of um, sorry last year and the start of this year they are playing trying to play hurling um, to a good style and trying to use the ball intelligently. It's not just a case of get it and drive it and um, you know they, they, it's very clear that they've been well coached and I think their coach actually is Johnny Kelly who who be well known um, in hurling circles obviously leading Portumna to Club All Ireland and leading Bursa Lee there to to win in the Munster title as well. So. Johnny Kelly's uh, a very good coach and he's, he's doing a lot of good work with them over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, from Offaly's perspective, it, it's about being competitive and staying in that game as long as possible, getting that crowd behind them and making things difficult for this Cork team. Cork will, will be making a, a few changes to their team. They're going to be resting a lot of the college uh, guys who, who had games there during the week. So uh, it could be a bit more of an experimental Cork side, which which will give, I suppose, another small boost to, to Offaly as well. I'm not sure what way Offaly are fixed in terms of, of uh, the load on their players with, with college games recently. Yeah, well, look, Offaly, Offaly will have to pick everyone that's available. Them. It's, it's as simple as that. Probably our uh, standout forward, um, with the exception of Owen Cal, um, is Ushin Kelly, and he's out injured with a cruciate injury at the moment. Uh, he was uh, hurler of the year last year for Christy Ring, so um, you know he, he is a loss. But um, everyone else that's available will be playing, and as I said, they'll be trying to put the best one forward. You know, you talk about Cork making changes. That it certainly it mightn't be the team that maybe played in the All-Ireland last year but we obviously know the underage success the Cork has had over the last number of years and these players are used to playing at a very high standard you know we need a huge amount of debutants for Offaly um, between last year and this year and it's, it's the first time um, that a lot of these players are actually playing Division 1 hurling it's a huge jump up for them so no matter what Cork team is put out on Sunday um, I can guarantee you they're, they're more exposed and used to playing a high level hurling than this current crop of Offaly players are you know there's probably this sense of realism in Offaly now that wasn't there, I suppose, a few years ago, that we know exactly where we're at. We know it's a huge rebuild. We know that it's going to take a lot of time um, for us to try and get back up and sustain being in the top division. And that's not even talking about success. We know success is is, um, a long way away. Um, But we're talking about trying to maybe build a team that can actually stay in Division 1 and stay in the Leinster Championship. That will be where we'll be trying to aim for. And as I said, we know that no matter what, Cork team they bring to Burr it's going to be a hard day or a hard 70 minutes for Offaly Hurling Absolutely well it's certainly going to be interesting Sunday and interesting to see how Offaly get on this year Brian thanks a million for joining us on the Big Red Bench you know you're off to Croker for the club final so thanks a million for coming on Thanks a million yeah, Brian Carroll there ahead of tomorrow's league clash between Cork and Offaly in the National Hurling League. Into the 60th minute at Croke Park. It's all level. Kilku won 7. Kilmacud Croke's 10 points. There was 4 minutes added on there. It's just about to take on to 61. So 3 minutes uh, to see who wants to... That's up for grabs to see who wants to grab that. Um, Kilku, of course, have uh, lost a couple and um, they're looking like maybe the more likely they've a bit of possession at the moment so um, maybe they're going to get a late soccer punch there um, similar, to how, similar to how they played I suppose against St Finbar's looking to the rugby uh, 69 minutes gone France 27 Ireland 21 still um, now that's Ireland yeah, they need the try they need 
they need something anyway that's for sure um, if they want to stay in with a chance of getting a Six Nations title and or Grand Slam even though I suppose we're being told not to be obsessed with the Grand Slam but uh, still be nice to win it wouldn't it um, as I said earlier Manchester City uh, lead away to Norwich and Guy Swindles has the details Norwich nil, Manchester City 1 City taking the lead just after the half hour mark the cross came over Max Aarons who played so well complete air kick the ball then went through to Raheem Sterling who cut inside and curled a beauty past uh, the unfortunate gun in the Norwich goal who had absolutely no chance talking of chances both sides have had them so far in this match both sides have hit the post and uh, Gunn in the Norwich goal has pulled off a succession of decent saves another one as you're listening to this report it's Norwich nil, Manchester City 1 now back to the hurling we heard from Brian Carroll uh, from the Offaly camp we're about to hear from Shawnee McGrath on Cork we don't have a team yet and a team might might actually come out while I'm on air here but I don't have enough screens for it all I have the rugby on one and the GA on the other I'm trying to keep tabs of the City game as well but uh Sean Toomey and Alan Cadigan won't feature. They both went off injured last weekend against Clare. Uh, they're likely to rest under 20 star Kieran Joyce. Uh, he made an excellent impression with his debut in midfield last week in Parky Cueve. Niall O'Leary, Jerm Ellerick, Rob Downey and Shane Barrett are likely also to drop out. Um, they're all all because of uh, college commitments, and there's a lot of there's a lot of games for for these guys at the moment in, in this period of the year, uh, which is another thing the GA probably need to look at in terms of fixture calendar, uh, the fixture calendar. But uh, Mark Keane, of course, Belly Giblin, he's expected to get uh, quite a lot of game time tomorrow, and uh, we'll speak, we'll hear more about him from Shawnee McGrath. We spoke to earlier. Yeah. Now, Cork hurling legend Shawnee McGrath joins me ahead of tomorrow's game in the National League. Shawnee, thanks for coming on. No bother, Aiden. Come on, mate. Cork versus Offaly, I suppose, not a pairing we see too often these days. Um, I actually asked Brian Carroll this question as well. So, what are your ma- uh, memories of this matchup? Yeah, well, the memories are that, like the Offaly that I remember compared to now, I suppose, are poles apart. Um, Offaly, that time I was playing, were top, top class. And um, obviously, when they're up in 98, so it's completely changed landscape up there. But they're, they're going well at the moment, I suppose, from the point of view of progress. and like they'll have a difficult league campaign with the team that's in the group but they had a brilliant campaign last year in the Christian Ring they're contesting in Division 1A replacing Westmead albeit they'll play in the McDonough Cup competition later on in the year but they'll make a stride tough outing last week but they're definitely making progress and a great proactive chairman in Michael Dugan so for them hopefully it's a case of onwards and upwards yeah, it doesn't get uh, much easier for them week on week, I suppose. As you said, last week it was tough against Galway, 4.22 to, to 17. And now facing Cork, All-Ireland finalists, um, it's, it's, it's tough week in, week out in Division 1. It's tough for these teams coming up from, from 2A to try and stay there, isn't it? It is, but I can only imagine that when Michael Friendly went in and got the job, his, you know, his aspirations were to progress. And you can only progress with a team when you're playing at a higher level, playing against teams that are you know, better equipped and better skilled and can move the ball quicker. So as a team, um, I think they'll, they'll develop and push on when they're playing at that higher level. So that's exactly what Finley would have wanted. And, you know, I suppose they still scored reasonably well last year. They conceded, or last week, they conceded a fair bit. But what did they finish with 17 or 18 points, which isn't too bad for this time of the year. Um, so as a manager, I think Finley will be delighted to be there. Um, and just, you know, do his best, get progression, and get themselves set for the McDonough Cup. Um, it'll be tough out for them again, as you said, like tomorrow against Cork. But I think Finley will revel in that. He was a brilliant player himself, so... He'll revel in that. He's got some great guys with him. Johnny Kelly, who was tied up with Balasali, is giving a hand as well on the coach, and he's making it very, very good. So, um, well, I think, yeah, they definitely have a tough campaign, considering who they have tomorrow and, you know, for the next couple of weeks. I think Friendly will be delighted with that, that opportunity, and he must prefer it than contesting maybe in 2A. Looking at Kieran Kingston's side, it's likely to be a much-changed team with the, uh, the college players being rested. That means there's plenty of opportunities and one, of course, uh, that is on everyone's minds uh, is that of Mark Keane. It could be a big opportunity for him tomorrow. Um, yeah, and I think people, like in general, not just with Mark, but with other players like Kieran Joyce, Shane Barrett, Project Power and them, fellas that are just coming on the scene. They just need to be patient. It's the same with Mark. Um, he's, you know, he's been a brilliant footballer, brilliant Aussie rules player and a lot of spotlight on him and a lot of talk. Um, he takes a lot of boxes, I suppose, physically, eerily, his ability maybe from puck outs if he's going to play in the half-forward line. But And hopefully the league campaign goes well for him if he gets an outing tomorrow. And hopefully that goes well. Um, he'll have been disappointed the way the campaign with Bally. You've been finished off, even though it was an incredible campaign. Um, but I just you know, hope he does well and I just hope the public will be good and patient with him because it's not just going to happen overnight for him. He'll need a couple of games 
just to get up to that pace, he's probably not going to be used to the pace of, you know, inter-county hurling. He's senior inter-county hurling, so a bit of patience and hopefully he'll come good as the season goes on. Absolutely, yeah, it's certainly going to take him, uh, I suppose, a couple of games to get used to that. He started at centre-back and moved into full forward in Croke Park last week. Do you see him as being more of a, uh, being m- most useful to Cork as a forward this year? Uh, yeah, I suppose. Um, it's hard to say, really. I suppose, um, uh, like, Cork's half-forward line, you know, I suppose when you're pitching it up against a, a Limerick half-back line of, Hannon and, and Kyle Hayes and these guys, they were born to very hard because they're so eerily strong and physically strong. So, you know, Cork probably do need to beef up their half-forward line. Um, you know, and maybe if puck outs, you can't always go short with puck outs, you can't always play through the line, so that Patrick Collins does have to ball him down. You know, Mark could be a fantastic option for puck outs, direct approach. So, yeah, he could definitely be a good outfit for for, um, for the defence and for the goalkeeper when he's pucking it out. Um, and then obviously, you know, from uh, scoring stakes, maybe if he could chip him with a couple of scores. So, you know, time will tell exactly what his best position is, but definitely at the moment, um, you know, if he was able to perform in the half-forward line, it would be a tonic and it would be good for Cork, say, come championship time. I suppose every year we kind of have this conversation with Cork. Um, his 1998, I think, was the last league title, and Kieran Kingston is always eager to try and avoid this topic as well, but, like, how big would it be if Cork just went and got that monkey off their back this year and, and tried to win that league title this year? Um, look, I, it, it would be. I think it would be important for the progression of the team. It would be important for the, the winning psyche that a team the team needs to have. Um, you know, we haven't won a monster title now in, in a couple of years, probably back to eighteen. Um, and while we have been making great strides and progress, obviously get to the final last year, the whole county was buzzing. Very disappointing the way we lost, but it was, the county was buzzing, and it was a brilliant campaign. But titles definitely bring 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 players on and. Especially the players that are coming from, you know, winning the minor titles and the under twenty one or the under twenty titles over the last say twelve, eighteen months, whatever. Um, you know, it would be great for them just that progression, that feeling in your head, that that winning psyche that's that's you know, that's um that that feeling that it just brings into the camp, say, um and you start winning games maybe that you shouldn't be winning. Um yeah. you know, so I was at the all Ireland club today and just belly gunner the way they won it in the end. You know, the last couple of years their domination I suppose down in the water for championship, you know, they, they never give up and you know, it would be great to see Cork kind of get to that winning psyche and win games maybe that they shouldn't be winning and, you know, winning a league title this year um, would be would be important for that. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to actually finish up with you there. You you were in Croke Park today. That was a mental finish, wasn't it? Yeah, it was incredible. Um, it was a great finish. Uh, what was his name? Harry Rudd, I think, was the guy who yeah. got the goal. I don't know whether he'd be a household name, but after today, <laughs> yeah, definitely. he'd definitely be on everyone's list. Down in belly gunner. He won't be buying points for a while, I'd say. It was an incredible finish. Great to be at the game. Desi Hutchinson was... Oh God, he was unbelievable. His movement, his pace, his touch. TJ was good again. Shane O'Sullivan was good in the half back line. It was a brilliant game to witness, Sam, and an incredible finish. Absolutely. Well, uh, great stuff, Shawnee. Yeah, uh, thanks a million. Uh, I think I don't know if we're going watching the football or not, but either way, I'll let you. I'll let you get away. We get the train back. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> See you, bye. Shawnee there ahead of tomorrow's league game, and uh, if he did stay in Croke Park, he'd still be there because it's gone to extra time in the club football final. I just saw the Kilku goal. The uh, Kilku uh, goalkeeper came up to take a 45. It was lobbed in and the Kilmacud Croaks, cornerback, fullback, I think, batted it down into his own goals. Uh, so that is what has led to, to, to Kilku's um, comeback there. It's gone to extra time and uh, it hasn't started yet. Uh, it's all over, meanwhile, I'd say, in Paris. Uh, I think they might be checking the try, but France have gone over again. It's 32 points to 24 before the conversion. If it does stand, they have gone to the TMO uh, to look at something. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it could be uh, all over for Ireland, I'm afraid. And uh, I know it's only the second game, but you know when they're not really in, in contention for the title... Yeah, it's not it's it's not exact as exciting anymore, is it? Uh, moving on, um, actually, just quickly before we leave, hurling, uh, Cork GA published their league program. Uh, the Red FM hurling league fixtures are out there on the Cork GA website, and if you head over to the Big Red Bench Twitter at Big Red Bench, you can uh, you, there's a link up there. It's been retweeted a couple of times, so you can have a look there. Um, you can also catch the show if you missed it on uh, all major podcast platforms, the Big Red Bench, and on RedFM.ie, of course. Now turning our attention to the Cork Ladies Footballers. They had their first uh, National League game today. Unfortunately, they didn't get the result they wanted. Uh, All-Ireland Champions Mead defeated the Rebels 2-7 to 1-8 at Park Chelchen. And I caught up with Ger McCarthy to discuss the game. Ger McCarthy is on the line. Ger, uh, not a great start uh, to the Cork Ladies Footballers League campaign with a defeat away to the All-Ireland Champions. 
No, uh, Aidan, the result is, is disappointing, but the performance, and I think the situation that Cork found them in and that none of the more Abbey contingent were present today, and Shane Ronan took the opportunity to use an awful lot of young players and blood them and get them onto the pitch um, to give them their first taste of Cork Intercounty, you know, National League football. I think on the whole, um, the result aside, I think Cork, Cork can be ple- I think Shane and his management team will be pleased enough with the performance. They had an opportunity when they were three points down towards the end where they missed two really scorable chances, I thought, um, with the win. They might have got it back to a point. They failed to do that. But look, these, me, they're the All-Ireland champions for a reason. They played really, really well today. They used the win very well. But I think at the end of the 60 or whatever, or 70 odd minutes, whatever it was that they played in the end, I think Shane and, and, uh, and Cork uh, would be pleased that they got as close as they did to me, put in a really good performance in front of a huge crowd and in difficult, windy conditions. Yes, they lost the game, but I think they show that they and me are going to be a factor in the All-Ireland Championship later in the year. I think that's, that's probably the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. This was a replay, of course, of that fantastic semi-final from, from last year. Oh God, don't remind me of uh, those five minutes. Uh, five minutes to go, Crow Park. We had the match report written and we were filing and we were getting ready and then me just brilliantly hit them for two hit car for two goals took it extra time and deservedly one of them down to win the All-Ireland the rest is history and it was interesting today with Eamon Murray's side coming into it like a lot of people outside of me have been asking you know was this a one-off is this was this All-Ireland just a one-off would me be able yeah. to come back and would they be the same kind of team and it's, it's a natural question to ask well today's performance answers it and it shouldn't even have been asked in the first place because as I've said to you and, and on previous podcasts as well and um, with others um, this Meath team didn't come out of nowhere they came they've been building for about four or five years they got to two intermediate All-Ireland finals which they lost narrowly then they beat Westmeath in an intermediate All-Ireland final brilliantly and their first year up in senior they should have beaten Cork and Burr in the early stages of the championships but they didn't and they came back from the dead to beat Cork and beat Dublin so they beat the top two teams to deservedly take that All-Ireland title last year. They are a team built uh, in Eamon Murray's style. They defend deep, they get numbers behind the ball, but that's not all they do. I mean, the two overlaps with their two goals today, um, with Emma Duggan and Orla Lally uh, finding the net, are, are proof positive of that. When they can hit the injection button, they just hit you so hard and so fast from different parts of the field there. They're a phenomenal team to watch. But the good thing, Aidan, I think, aside from Mead's victory today, from Cork's point of view again, they held me to two points more open play. And that's really something when you're talking about going into the Lions then of the All-Ireland Champions and their, you know, their own pitch. Like, Stacey Grimes got five frees. But to hold them to two points from Orla Lally and from Nieva Sullivan from open play is something, again, defensively, Cork were really, really good today. And remember, none, none of the Mornabi contingent were there today. Um, they're still uh, coming back from their All-Ireland uh, final last to Karen Clumburn. It's a new management team with a lot of young players got their opportunities today um, and it was good to see some other players returning like Roisin Phelan didn't start maybe Coppinger didn't start but the likes of Abby O'Mahony Kieran McCarthy Ashton Keller you know all coming on and Cueva Moore getting back in goal as well these are good blocks and stepping stones for Cork for the All-Ireland Championship maybe not necessarily for the National League this year um, but I think the signs are good that Cork are going to be a force even though they lost today I, t- I still think they were. They look like they are in a good place and as I think Shane Ronay mentioned in, in the build-up to the game, they, prior to today, they'd only played two non-competitive matches. So when you have a new management team and when you've got a, a newish kind of panel and new players in the panel, you know, your first day, it was always go- there's always going to be mistakes, there's always going to be uh, difficulties, but I think Cork showed today that they and Mead, along with Dublin and possibly one or two others, will be real contenders for the All-Ireland this year. Yeah, I suppose that's it. Like, there's there's probably no real need to panic, as you said. A new management, um, without the more Abbey players, they can really just use this league campaign. Uh, I suppose the management can can use it to get their feet in under the table and uh, try out some players. And uh, of course, uh, you know, you don't want to rush back the more Abbey players after such a long season as well. Mm. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, and you know, if you bring them back today and you throw them straight back in after after they've been playing throughout the winter period, what do you gain from it? Now, not, uh, the other side of the coin, Aidan, to that is that there's only three league group matches. The group is very condensed this year, so Cork are away to Dublin in Crow Park next Saturday night, which is going to be absolutely brilliant because it'll be on just before the Dubs take on Mayo in the uh, in the National League. So there's going to be a massive crowd there, a big occasion. But here's the thing. That's a good experience, again, for a lot of those young players to go into Crow Park to get that experience if they haven't done that and play the Dubs um, full on. you know, And that's going to be really intense now because Cork need to win that uh, ahead of their final group game, which is at home to Waterford. 
But I think, as you said, the overall picture with Shane Renan, like because the league is so condensed and because you only have three group matches, and if you don't progress, there is a bit of a gap to the championship. But if, they, if Cork do manage to beat Dublin and do manage to beat Waterford and get to the latter stages of the league, you're straight into the championship less than a week or two after that anyway. So it's a condensed season again this year. Remember now, because it's a split season, it's inter-county first and then club. But look, I think for, from, from Shane Renan's point of view, when he looks at it today, the, the real positives. Katie Quirk is somebody we don't talk enough about. She scored three points today again and was a real factor up front. And Cork in the past would have relied on Darren O'Sullivan, Anya Terry, and maybe Orla Finn for the bulk of their scores. It's no longer the case. You see uh, Emma Cleary bursting through for the goal today. You see Katie Quirk kicking three points. Laura Mahi coming up from the halfbacks. And that halfback line did really well today in, uh, in the face of a really, really tough challenge against me. They quietened Vicky Wall for long periods. And that down to Erica O'Shea, who did a really good marking job on her throughout the match and stuck with her. Laura Mahi back from long term injury. The Donovan Roster player popped up with a point, as I said, flying it up and down the wing. And then Melissa Duggan uh, in a more of an unaccustomed role in around the centre back role. That springboard from the half-back line shows me that Cork, you know, that might be one tactic we see a lot more of this year. The other good thing from Cork's point of view were their kickouts. Martina O'Brien, until she got injured, was replaced by Cueva Moore. Going short with the kickouts worked. The patient kickout, the long kickout worked. They didn't really cop up. I think it was only three in the end. They copped up of their own uh, kickouts, which they might have lost on breaking balls. That's really good. That, that's another building block to build on heading into the next game against the Dubs. Um, I, I think the other thing that I, I, I liked today uh, from the Cork performance um, was the, the ability to turn over. Like, me, they're very, very good. If you run down the middle, they'll, they'll swarm you, they get the ball off you, and they hit you on the break from different directions. But Cork did that as well today. And I think the fact that you're talking about players like, um, you know, Ony Terry Sullivan uh, came off, you know, you Dara Kiley, but that full forward line, Quirk, Saibo Leary, Norla Finn, looks really agile, it looks really quick. Now, you add. Darren O'Sullivan to that. You add uh, Kiro O'Sullivan to that, and then you add just behind them, possibly Mauro, well, Mauro Cannon, who's going to be the captain, Breed O'Sullivan possibly coming in. You know, Laura Fitzgerald is a scoring sensation for Mornabi throughout the Munster Championship. And, like, there are options all of a sudden for Cork that they're going to need later in the year. It's disappointing, yes, that they lost today. A win would have been a really good result, and it would have set them up really for a cracking clash with Dublin next week but I think irrespective of how the league goes from this year Shane has been Shane Ronan was very vocal at the very start when he, he took over the aim is the All-Ireland and from interviewing Mauro Callan and Melissa Duggan for uh, Red FM this past week as well they've mentioned All-Ireland the National League is important but it's the All-Ireland that Cork have their eyes on and I think they'll take heart from today's performance because they were beaten by a good Meath team who are going to be there again at the end of the Championship but I think Cork showed that not alone off the bench do they have a couple of players that are developing very quickly but there's some other players that we don't normally talk about you know Marie Ambrose um, coming back as well May Callan had a fine game as well in fairness to her there's lots, of, lots to be positive about it, it seems kind of churlish to talk about it yeah. after a loss but the reality is that, Aidan, that if you're looking at the bigger picture here, had Cork gone into me today and lost by 10-15 points, we'd be saying, Asher, look, new manager, new players, is going to take time. They, they had enough chances to win the game and could have won it. And they have enough weapons, I think, getting ready for the championship to show that Cork will definitely be a factor in the latter end of that championship. Absolutely. Well, that clash with Dublin is certainly one to look forward to. Jar, fantastic stuff as always. Thanks. Yeah, John McCarthy there. We'll hear more from him in a minute. It's all over at the start. The France, France 30, Ireland 24. That try was called back, but France got a penalty and they tapped it over and they have won and are now on course for a Grand Slam. Uh, again, Grand Slam talk, but I suppose uh, that's what it's all about, Ireland. Uh, I suppose they could still be in, in the hunt for the title. They'll have to rely now on France uh, losing to Scotland, I suppose, um, which is definitely going to happen. Uh, Manchester City have doubled their lead against Norwich in the Premier League. Guy Swindles reports. Norwich nil, Manchester City 2. City only taking two and a half second half minutes to double their lead. Lovely work on the left-hand side. Gundogan was played in superbly. He waited, timed his pass. Foden uh, managed to get the ball just over the line. Grant Hanley, you know, lucky man who thought he cleared it but technology said the ball had gone over the line it's Norwich nil Manchester City 2 extra time is seven minutes old at Croke Park and Kilmacud Croaks are on the attack but there still hasn't been any score one seven to ten points there Kilku and Kilmacud Croaks deadlocked now as we said John McCarthy 
uh, spoke to the Cork Ladies football manager Shane Ronan after today's defeat to Meath. Um, okay, Shane Ronan, uh, you join us here on the Big Red Bench following the uh, defeat away to Meath today in the National League opener up in Park Talton. But can I put it to you, uh, from Cork's point of view, defeat, yes, but an awful lot of positives to take out of the performance, first of all, and a lot of new younger players getting their chance um, coming on off the bench as well today. Yeah, look, we're disappointed, obviously, Joe. You, you know, you go to win every game, but um, a lot of positives take out of it. And I don't think uh, defeat up here in Mead is going to define our season. We've got a lot of games to play yet, and a lot of months and a lot of work to get done before before the season is over. So we're disappointed, but I think, as you said, we got a lot of game time into, you know, players and you know, younger players there, you know, coming on. Rachel Lee, um, you know, Shania Minor came on and scored a great point. I was lucky for another one. Played very well when she went on. Laurel Manny is back today. Their league played. You know, uh, Kier Mack came off the bench, scored, scored a good point. Um, you know, Abby Manny came on. You know, look, we, a lot of subs went on, and I suppose, look, we're very happy with a lot of what we did, but I think, you know, ultimately we didn't shoot enough in the second half, I think, especially in the first quarter of the second half. Um, we had a good few opportunities for shots and didn't take them, and I suppose, ultimately, I suppose that, that probably cost us. It was, a, it was a good strong win there. And, we didn't take the opportunity. I think even in the first half, in the first quarter, uh, there was a couple of opportunities there we should have taken. Um, you know, and I think that, that's ultimately what cost us. We, we didn't score enough. Like one eight isn't going to win you a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I, got, I suppose defensively we were good. Two seven isn't bad. Um, you know, give away a couple of I think you know a couple of laps of concentration. Give away two goals there in a few minutes in the second half. Um, but otherwise defensively, you know, you're you're looking at very good. We kept. I think we did very very good job in Emma Duggan. Very good job of Vicky Wall again. Um, Give away a few city frees, Jordan. and I, I suppose that that'll, that'll be disappointing in the first half. I think four or six points game three in the first half, and that, that would be something you know we we, we suppose we've got to look at. Yeah, and the thing is, Shane, it's the first game out, and a lot of people tend to forget that they just see the headline. But like the first game out, these kind of mistakes to get the players need to get them out of their system. And you mentioned your defence; you held the All Ireland champions to two points from open play. Now the two goals were disappointing, but if you're holding the All Ireland champions on their home ground to two points from open play, that gives you an awful lot to work on ahead of the Dublin game. Yeah, look, we would have been very happy with our defensive work of training the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, our followers were, were finding it very difficult. And maybe that's, that maybe lead, led into why they weren't shooting today. There was a, maybe a lack of confidence. But I suppose, I think they need to realise that when they're playing, we're playing training games among ourselves, that the quality of our defenders is top class. And they're, you know, they, they just need to realise that and, like, you know, you know, still take confidence if they can take the shots in, in the games like they, so, look, we're, we're very happy with that. We're defensively, you know, with, with what we did. Uh, as I said, we, you know, we need to sharpen up on the freeze, not, not give away so many. But I think look, there's, there's, there's a lot of positives. 2 7 isn't even the big score conceded. You know, if you told me this morning we concede 2 7, I probably would expect it to win the game. Uh, but, it just, you know, we just, we just didn't shoot enough. And I think, you know, that, that's ultimately what cost us. The wind for people who were in Park Talton, I don't think it came across even on the live feed. Like it, it was a really strong wind, and it, it kind of, I won't say it wrecked the game, but it certainly changed the, the, the tactics and the layout of the game in the first half for me and then Fee in the second half. Is that fair? Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, me conceded a lot of possession in the second half, so it's just a lot to kick out in there, whereas we went after the feed kick out the first half. And I thought we did a good, fairly good job in the meet kick out. We slowed it down a lot, and uh, we've been very happy with that. But, you know, ultimately, as I said, we didn't shoot enough in the second half, and um, I think. You know, I suppose I keep going back to the same thing. Is that if you're not going to shoot, you're not going to win games. And, uh, there was a strong win there, so we didn't make use of it. I think you know we have we have a couple of players who were well able to shoot. And as I said, maybe it's a lack of confidence. Um, you know, we haven't done that. So that was only our third game, really, as a group together. Uh, so we've got a lot of lot of work to do. But I think you know it's a work in progress. The season isn't going to be defined by today's results. No, that's very, very true. And I, I think another thing from your point of view and from the management team's point of view, which will be a huge benefit, the number of young players that got exposed to the way Meath play today at senior level, the physicality, the, the pace of it and the step up. But the likes of Kira McCarthy, Rachel Leahy, I mean, uh, even like the Laurel Manny coming back from injury, you'd Emma Cleary knocking in a goal and you'd Katie Quirk with three points and another forward scoring three points for you. That's all positives. And the benefit, Shane, that they get out of playing tough Real, uh, you know, not championship, but senior intercounty football against a team like Meath, that will really bring them on as the year goes on. Look, that's the time, Joe. You know, we, we said that earlier on. That we, we, you know, the league, the league had to be used that way for us. Uh, if, you, if you won these games and you qualify for a latter stage, and look, we're not out of the jet. Like, you know, we have to beat Dublin next week and then be walk to get into it. But 
I, ultimately, the, the target with this league was to find players. And, like, you know, you, you, you've listed out a few younger players there who I suppose, you know, put their hand up today and know if they can back it up again next week and, you know, the win down against Waterloo. Then, then we know we've got a stronger panel going forward into the championship. And the championship is where we want to be, want to be getting ourselves right for. And if those players can back up what they did today, you know, and take on a small bit more, then that ultimately gives us a very strong panel for the championship. And finally, look, irrespective of how Dublin Watford game goes this evening um, or, or over this weekend, the other game in your group, I mean, going to Dublin again next weekend, now you d- today you didn't have the Moran Abbey contingent, but whatever panel you go to Dublin with next weekend or whatever the outcome, the experience of playing the dubs up there, again, you can't buy that experience. You can't get that in training. You can't get that in club football. And you know that better than anyone. This again would be another learning experience, not just for the experienced players that are in your panel, but again, for those players that you're giving an opportunity to in the National League. Look, that's it exactly. You know, you're going into Crow Park. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be probably a big crowd in there by the time the second half starts. You know, with the Dublin, Dublin men up there in Mayo afterwards and the repeated flashes all around to be playing. So it's going to be a huge occasion. And I suppose, look, if the girls can stand up and are counted next weekend, regardless of the results, we're not looking at results all the time. We're looking at performances. Are they doing the things we want them to do? If they can stand up and be counted next weekend and prove that they, they can live in this environment, then I, I think we're, we're in a very good place going forward for the summer. Shame, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us on the Big Red Bench and we'll talk to you again next weekend ahead of the Dublin game. Cheers, man. Thanks very much, Joe. John McCarthy there with the Cork Ladies Football Manager Shane Ronan um, and more from Jar during the week uh, on Thursday from noon on the Women in Sport podcast. Half time and extra time at Croke Park and it is still level 1 8 to 11 points, Kilku and Kilmacud. Croaks 2 0 to City as well away to Norwich now to football. Cork City played out an entertaining 1 0 draw with Damien Duff's Shelburne last night at Turner's Cross. Uh, Keen Murphy again on the score sheet for City. Uh, it was their final preseason match before the, the new league season starts next week. And uh, tomorrow night, Rory will bring you uh, season previews from Colin Healy as well as Darren Murphy as well, the uh, Cove Ramblers boss. But uh, Colm was speaking to Colin after last night's match. OK, Colin, um, one-all draw with Shells. Uh, good way to kind of finish the preseason, I suppose, a good game as well. Yeah, no, I did. I thought it was an excellent game. Um, playing against a very good uh, football team. And um, no, I thought we put on a very, very uh, good performance. And um, we, um, you know, and, and minutes for, 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 for a few lads as well. So it was a good performance leading into the game next week. And nice to have a crowd here. Nice, as we said, when we were speaking during the week, to, to have it in Turner's Cross and to get, especially the new lads, I suppose, accustomed to Turner's Cross and to playing in front of a crowd. And I suppose it's a good way to, to kind of head into the season, isn't it? Listen, it's great. As I said, the players love playing in front of the fans. The fans have been fantastic. Like, as it's when the players go on the pitch and they give everything, they give everything. But listen, that's all you can ask, and listen, the fans see that, and once the fans are on our side, and listen, it's um, it gives the players um, confidence, gives them a boost, so it's, it's fantastic to have them in. It's good performance tonight, and a decent preseason overall. I think, I mean, you've kind of matched every team you've played, and you match Shells tonight, and uh, that, that's the way it's been in preseason. That's probably what you want, and you've played teams of a, of a good quality as well throughout. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have, we have, and uh, we'd have some good performances. Um, tonight was a good performance as well. Um, I thought defensively we were very, very good, and we had a lot of um, scoring opportunities, but listen we didn't take them but the players are in the right positions but um, we'd have, we've had a good pre-season the players are they're fit um, they're, they're, um, they're in good condition and uh, as I said we're looking forward to the break game Friday night Keir Murphy on the score sheet again he got 12 or 13 last year so he's picking up where he left off Listen, it's great. As King came back in in as in a very very good condition. He's um he's a very good professional. Um, he wants to score goals. His work rate off the ball is fantastic. And um, listen, he's a he's a young lad that we know since he's been under 17s in academy. He's got he, he's he's getting stronger and stronger. And listen, we're all delighted for him. But as the other lads that have come in have done the jobs as well, that they're they're all going in the right direction. Was the 23 the trailer guy that you brought on? Uh, that's Leo. Leo, yeah. So he's um he's in for a few days with us. So yeah, but a few of them anyway. The last few weeks. So. Been, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody asks who the trailer stand. <laughs> <laughs> Have to ask. And um, just finally, Colin, I suppose heading into next week now. It's Galway here in two weeks, but obviously Bray to kick it off next week. So what's the plan for the week? Is it just kind of back in training now, and, and the preseason games are out of the way, and just kind of gear up for a brand new season? Yeah, absolutely. The players will come back in tomorrow. Um, they'll do the recovery, and um, they'll be off Sunday, and we go again Monday, and we um we do. We do a home for for Bray on Friday night, and um, we get ready for them. We're hoping for a good start, obviously, in those opening games as well. I mean, it's important to try and get the good start. Yeah, it is, but it's going to be difficult. It's a difficult place to go up there. Do you know, as I said, we, the lads will be they'll be ready for it, and they'll go. Hopefully, we go and go and put on a good performance, and, and listen, we'll take it from there. Thanks, Colin. Cheers. 
Dylan O'Connell, journalist with The Echo, joins me to discuss this week's announcements from the FAI. Firstly, Dylan, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, 1.5 million, that's what the FAI say they have pledged to grassroots in their new three-year strategy. Uh, what do you make of all of this? Is it just a box-ticking exercise or is it actually something to be optimistic about? To be honest, it's very hard to gauge because we love plans in this country. Like, if you go back 20 years ago, we had the Genesis Report. You had the Conroy Report in 2015, which led to this now 10-team First Division, 10-team Premier Division. Was it in 2016, you had the Branding Report for the League of Ireland. So we do love plans in this country, and we do love strategy plans. But it's more, what pe- I know this is probably not a popular thing to say, but what people want is more just definitive action and actually steps being taken by the FBI, as opposed to just more plan- plans and documents. There's so many different areas that need to be improved across the board. You have facilities that need to be improved, which facilities are probably what, what's going to be at the heart of, of improvement in the FAI. Yeah, because like, I suppose the best example I can give is look at Dundalk, who reached the group stage of the Europa League in 2020 and 2016. They had to play their group stage game in Tala Stadium. They had to play their game against Arsenal at the Viva Stadium. They, so, like, if you look at the state of Oriel Park, if Cork City got to the playoff round of the Europa League, they would ha- there was talk they might have to play the game in 2018 in, in Tolman Park in Limerick because, because Turns Cross was into the standard. So Irish grounds are massively lagging behind. And I think, like, just what kind of what shows this is, one of the things announced in the strategic plan was for Ireland to make a bid alongside the United Kingdom to host Euro 2028. The only stadiums being talked about are the GA stadiums and the Aviva Stadium. Like in, let's say, take Munster, apart from Coleman Park and Parky Cueve, the only stadiums that fit kind of the standard are none. Don't have any, or soccer stadiums aren't up to standard with regards to that. So yes, we need a massive structural improvement across this country for our football stadiums. And I suppose even like like smaller clubs at schoolboy level and schoolgirls level, predominantly we need to focus on infrastructure massively. Another thing on, on club level was the, the proposal that by 2025 there will be a third uh, tier to the League of Ireland. Do you think that that's achievable? I suppose in three years, I think there are plenty of clubs there that will probably be able to, to benefit from that. So with the plan, it's for 2023 is the second, the third tier to the League of Ireland and 2025 for a second tier to the, to the Women's National League. It is viable, but there needs to be steps done in such a way where it is viable. We had third tier, which existed from 2008 to 2011. It was the A Championship and it ended, which led into the, now the unranked National League. So that was quite good, but there was a lot of issues there with teams appearing for a season and then teams not appearing for the next. And like the talk for this new third tier is that it will be teams from the colleges and universities with B teams from Premier Division sides and First Division sides, along with teams from the Munster Senior League and the Leinster Senior League. So if they're going to get this right, how would you, let's say take UCC for example, get UCC students to play a game on a Saturday where a lot of students would go home on a Saturday in certain situations against, do they travel all the way up every second weekend to face teams like Crumb United? Uh, Calester Doncarty FC how is that going to work will it be regionalised these are all the things they need to work out and get sorted also you have a parallel there with, with the GA recently in the Congress recently that you know these regional uh, associations won't exactly be too happy on giving up um, some power either like the Munster Senior League which is a strong enough league um, like they're not going to be too delighted if all their, their teams are going into this, this third tier and they're, they're losing a bit of traction there that's it, like, because like, if you look at the Munster Senior League, it's got probably some of the biggest in- intermediate clubs in the country. Look at Ringmahan Rangers, which you could be in the depths of Donegal and you'll need someone who knows the name Ringmahan Rangers. The same with Avondale United, where John Caulfield came from. They won, was it four FBI Intermediate Cups in a row? They also reached the quarterfinals of the FBI Cup in 2014 before getting knocked out by Finn Harps in a replay. I think it was in a replay. It was, But either way, like, there's some massive clubs in the Munster Senior League and they don't want to lose those because, again, they're really good for, like, I suppose, Cork is a football entity. We're, inter- we're intermediate. We play intermediate football here. We're not like Limerick. We're not like Waterford or Junior. We play intermediate football here. And do they want to give up, let's say, Remahan, Avondale, College Corinthians, even Rockmount, who are in the uh, Intermediate Cup last 16, they're top of the Monster Senior League. You know, powerhouse teams, do they want to lose those? Looking then to the national team and their, their plan, uh, well, they're... 
their sort of um, their 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 liner is that uh, the teams shouldn't be outside the UEFA top thirty, which they're both comfortably inside anyway, which is a bit bit of a strange uh, thing to throw into the strategy there. Um, I suppose it, it's it's bits like that that you kind of look at that it, it does seem to be a small bit of a box ticking exercise by the FAI. That's it. Like I suppose we can say like, oh yeah, we want Ireland in the top thirty. That's all subjective to a draw as well. Ireland can get a horrific draw for the t- Euro twenty twenty four. We could be put into a group of death. You could have a situation where it could be this is now off the top of my head. I don't know the seedings offhand. Where you could have let's say Germany, ne- the Netherlands, and then Czech Republic. Straight away, Ireland are very up against it, and that becomes untenable. To be top thirty straight away. So, like, these things are very subjective and things falling in the FBI's favour. Do you get a good draw? Do you not get a good draw? So, like, these things are incredibly subjective. It's finally been put in writing that they that their aim is to qualify for Germany uh, 2024. And I presume uh, Stephen Kenny, it, it does seem like he's going to finally get his contract in the coming weeks. I presume that's going to be a massive stipulation in that contract. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like even if you look at it, by the time your twenty twenty four comes around, the last tournament Ireland will have qualified for will be the two thousand sixteen European Championships. And since then, they've had their their showings in the UEFA Nations League last year, where they barely stayed up. The year before, where they technically got relegated, but stayed up because they refigured yeah. the groups. You had losing the semi final playoff for your twenty twenty. There was losing the World Cup playoff in twenty eighteen in heartbreaking fashion. So, like the country needs to qualify for a tournament, so everything is going in that it is going in that direction. And I think keeping Stephen Kenny is key to that because it keeps a level of consistency there as well. That we're not starting out from point blank again for a new tournament, a new qualifying round. Because he knows the team. He managed Adam Ida. He managed Troy Parish. He all managed those at under twenty level. Jason Knight. They all played under him at underage level, and that's really important. Keeping that consistency there. Most importantly, I suppose, it's all about the money. And uh, is it that they aim to be debt-free by 2025? They, they, they mention a, a 50 million turnover and 6 million in reserves. So I take it that means they wish to be debt-free by then? Yeah, so they, the aim is to be debt-free there. But with a lot of these things, I would take them with a pinch of salt because, again, they don't have a sponsor at the moment. Yeah. They, the, the FBI don't have a sponsor at the moment. Like There was talks originally that the FBI wanted to be debt-free by was it 2020, back when John Delaney was there. So, like, these things are incredibly, these things are incredibly subjective, they depend on the time. Like, we've, we've seen these targets before, but, like, you know, to be debt-free, the, the organisation needs it needs revenue, it needs people coming in, you know, buying Ireland shirts, it needs sponsorship, it needs sold out of Viva Stadiums. So, like, do we see that happening? To get the Viva Stadium sold out, we need the Irish team playing well. To get the Irish team playing well, we need to get sponsorship deals. So these things are very subjective, but we've been here before, but... I suppose in the situation we have a very credible organisation here with a lot of top class professionals here who kind of when you look at what happened before when John Delaney was in charge of the FBI and we know what happened Mark Tide goes into detail in champagne football with that yeah. it's a different organisation now there's a lot of heavy, there's heavy auditing there with the organisation so we're not going to be in that situation where we were 10 years ago but these targets they're very subjective I suppose, as you said, it's it's a new organisation, and the head man of that is the new CEO, Jonathan Hill. Um, their 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 slogan is "We are one." Um, he still lives in London, strangely enough. I don't know what do you, what do you make of all of that. It's a bit of a strange one, but I feel like we do everything remotely these days, anyway. Like I'm able to watch football in South America, China, in Brazil, wherever. So I suppose I suppose in getting the grips with Irish football, he does seem to be growing the grounds quite a lot. He was at the women's national team's 11-0 victory over Georgia in December 2021. He was at the President's Cup on Friday night in Tallaght Stadium. So he does seem to like want to take. He does want to take. I suppose he's taking very proactive steps to get involved in yeah. Irish football. Like in was it in was it last year? The year before, he did a proper meeting brief with the press to get to know us. He spoke with the launch of the strategic development plan on Monday. He's quite proactive on Twitter as well. He follows back and engage with a lot in the Irish football community. So, like, when he is based in London, I don't see that as a big issue because he does seem to be very involved on the ground. Fair enough. Um, I suppose and the other, just finally, to finish on, as you mentioned earlier, there will be no World Cup, but uh, there may be a Euros. And it, to be fair, if they did get this bid fully operational off the ground, it would probably easily uh, get pushed through. But I highly doubt there's going to be um, automatic qualification spots for the four uh, nations that are bidding to host this. Like, it's, it's funny you should say that because the 2026 World Cup, 
or the 2026 World Cup in the United States is split between Canada and Mexico and FIFA only in November are actually talking about how do they work that out do they give three qualification berths to it like I know in situations like uh, South Korea and Japan 2002 both host nations qualified but with three it's a little bit different and a little bit tricky and FIFA yeah. haven't figured that out yet so I feel like whatever FIFA do you wait for what follow suit then with the next European Championships then yeah, and as you said, the whole Croke Park thing is the strangest thing about it. The GA might come out better off than the FAI if this thing actually goes through. Like, what's what's mental about it was, so the, the classifications of host a, a European tournament are really strict with UEFA. So if you look at, like, the stadium in the 32 counties of Ireland, the Aviva Stadium fits the bill. But you, the lowest attendance, what you need, the lowest, I suppose, size stadium, what you need, it's 30,000. Uh, so that's like the lowest size that you need. Yeah. In Northern Ireland, there's only one stadium as such that fits that bill, and that's Caseon Park, the, the GA stadium. Yeah. Windsor Park is only like 22,000 seats. So, like, it's quite interesting because the GA might have a huge role to play because, like, you know, if Ireland's getting the Euros, we're not going to have one whole city. Like, I know Scotland might just have Glasgow, but with us, are we going to try and keep all the games in Dublin? And, like, you know, to showcase the country, they'll see the whole country on the dart going from Croke Park to the Aviva Stadium and maybe going up and down to Belfast. But, like, we need the GA Stadium unless they do a massive revamp of Windsor Park. I don't know if that's going to happen. But, long story made short, we do need the GA Stadium on board with us. Yeah, look, well, I suppose all we can do is wait and see what happens. And uh, the cynic inside me, I suppose, has come out a small bit. Hopefully, this uh, strategic plan can be optimistic for Irish football. Dylan, thanks a million for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Well, thank you very much. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM.